Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Signs. Cosines. And Tangents. How you doing this week, Jared? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm great. Are you? It's been a long time since we've done, you know, these kind of cold opens where yeah. we don't have any kind of gimmick and it just feels weird. Well, if you do a gimmick every time, it's not... Then they come to expect it. Yeah. So... I like to keep things... And the, this week's episode's going to be a little... Tangity? Tangential? Tangential? I think we've used that adjective before. Yeah. It's going to have a lot of tangents and not much substance. Unless there's substance. No, that's that's not actually a direct correlation. No? Just because we talk about many different things doesn't mean those things don't have meaning. Words have meaning, Sean. They do. They do. Well, with no further ado, let's just start tackling these tangents. Well, should we do our housekeeping? Tell people where to find us? Because obviously they're listening to this, but they didn't find us through those things. Sure. We'll just, yeah, that's fine. So, so you can find us on all the things. Except. I don't know. We're not on Skitcher. Sket- oh, yeah. Well, we had that debate. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, we're on Spotify now or Google Play. If you keep, if you want to stay in your ecosystem, you can. Yes. Yeah, we can be found on non-Apple platforms. Yes, Sean. We were always available via non-Apple platforms. Oh, I don't know. I'm an, I'm an Apple diehard. I only use Apple products. You only use Apple products? I use the Apple iToilet. Whoa. What does it do for you? It just works. Is it, in, is it integrated <laughs> into the AirPlay? Can you play music out of it? It it tells you the. Um, Did they load a U two song on it? <laughs> well, without your consent, it is a crapper. <laughs> uh, okay, so on to our tangents. Yeah, New York City Comic Con took place recently, and there were a number of both video game and uh, entertainment outcomes that were not directly comic book related, but related to comic book properties, obviously. And uh, one of the big reveals was around a game that I think we've gone back and forth about, uh, Marvel's Avengers, which is Square Enix's upcoming Avenger game. Right. I don't. Did we talk about it after E3? We did. Yeah. Yeah, we did a little bit. And I, I'm trying to remember if we put it in the podcast or if it was just a conversation you and I had about how I knew they were going to be really focusing on Miss Marvel. Because you kind of got the hint in the early trainers that there's this young girl right before they um, release the Terrigen Mists. And she's of, well, she has swarthy skin, is all you could tell at that point. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I bet that's going to be Miss Marvel. And she's gonna I didn't be... pick up in the early trailers that it was the Terrigen Mists that was released. Yeah. I just thought it was an explosion terrorist event. I didn't really, it was, yeah. Well, maybe I picked it up earlier than you did i don't maybe. know maybe um but the the big release of information at uh, nycc was around actual gameplay and kind of showing how they were going to work miss marvel into the story right it looks like she's going to be the driving force of after the the catastrophe because it's the youth that keep us hopeful is it right the the cynical adult superheroes suffer a loss and fall apart and you've got miss marvel to come in and make everything cheery and bright and remind them why they're heroes and yeah yeah so so yeah this the story is looking different and for the video game it's not 
holding on to the normal MCU sort of. Well, I think they've made it pretty clear it's not mainline continuity. Right. And it's not comic book continuity. And it's not, well, it's its own. Right. Right. My hope is they would make like a Mar- Marvel video game universe, which would be kind of cool. Well, now that everything's under the control of one person, that might happen. Right, with uh, Feige taking over. Yeah. So Disney announced that Kevin Feige would be not just in charge of the movie universe, but he now has control over all the media outlets. That includes comics. Which, does that mean he supplants the editor-in-chief of Marvel? Uh, Yeah. Wow. He supplants Big Ike. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's in, Ike's in like the Dead Presidents Club now. Well, we knew that. And there was a, I don't know if you saw like a couple of weeks ago, basically uh, it was coming out at the end after Avengers, Feige was le- moving to leave mm-hmm. um, because of fights with Ike over uh, storylines storylines and inserting in it with the Avengers. And so he went to, who's the head of Disney? Uh Bob Iger? Yeah, he went directly to Iger, and Iger convinced him to stay on and gave him control. Would and then you that's call when that they... an Iger sanction? <laughs> that's wow. when they split out Marvel Studios and out of Marvel and all that stuff happened. And Yeah. Yeah. But... Cool. The other thing they announced video game-wise is an Iron Man VR game. Yeah. That's been... A, that's been, that's been It wasn't announced. That's been out for a while. Uh, it was really given a focus. I don't. I don't remember anybody really talking about it prior to NYCC. Okay. Um, and there's some IMAX tie-ins with that as well as VR, but it'll be interesting to see what that ends up looking like. I mean, v- you... VR is pretty much dead. So I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. I know I haven't used mine lately. Um, what else? Well, I figure you'll want to cover this next one because I don't care. Yeah, so they announced that they're ending the mainline, well, the current uh, Star Wars comics. They're ending in December, right? Yes. The main, and they're ending Doctor Aphra, um, which those two I actually read, and they've been pretty good. But they've been set in this area between A New Hope and Empire, mm-hmm. um, where like the relationship between Han and Leia is pretty early on, and it's like your worshipfulness and all that. You know, the playful banner, and Han Solo has a wife that's not really his wife, and there's an evil Wookiee that's uh, just evil, and there's evil R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO. So you're saying R2-D2 was not evil the whole time? No, no. Because I, I always kind of got the so feeling... They're, they're, they're setting a final thing there, and, now, and they've announced they're going to do a new set of comics after Empire, which, if you're part of the old anthology the what do they call it the extended universe legends legend legends does that mean we're gonna get uh shadows of the empire comic dies? i i i don't know lucasfilm well has been very disney and really has been been very picky about what they bring in from the old continuity right and they've brought thrawn in in a different capacity and Shadows of the Empire, out of all of the extended, or the legends, right? That was mm-hmm. the one that where they had the huge marketing campaign. Yeah. They had a soundtrack for a book. They had the tie-in N64 video game. Um, and the only thing anybody remembers from that is the video game. Yeah. Because <laughs> the book was largely forgettable. 
I, no, I liked the book. That's, I didn't. I didn't care for it. You didn't care for it? No. You didn't care... I liked how they... I mean, the Black Sun stuff and the Prince Zizor and all well, that. Yeah, the, the weird criminal organization wasn't... But the, the stuff about Luke sort of reading Obi-Wan's... Journals. Journals yeah. and building his lightsaber after he his defeat at Darth Vader's hands. Yeah, It's okay. interesting. It filled it, in some interesting gaps, but... That's a cool time, right? Because when Luke comes back in return, you know, he's... He's a full-on Jedi. Right. He's wearing the black. I think that's more interesting of a time where Luke and... I don't know. So you're iffy on this? I, I want to see where they go with it. Yeah. That, I mean... We had a conversation about this the other day about my cynicism and how it's increasingly getting worse. (laughs) Uh, But when it comes to Star Wars, when it comes to Marvel, when it comes to Disney, I'm just, I I think I'm, I don't know if I'm growing up and ready to walk away from But you're okay on the DC side, which is all the same machine, just horribly more managed. Yeah. No, I I, I acknowledge there's a level of irony in that i guess it's is it because dc is not as well oiled of a corporate machine that you're still you know i think there's something about dc that is a little bit different we've never really talked about this much but when marvel really kind of originated the big event stuff and then they took it too far yes every two months there's another big event at marvel yep everybody's thor now everybody's (laughs) spider-man now oh everybody's carnage (laughs) um Everybody's dead again. Yeah. You know, it, it just, that's my problem with the Marvel side. And Marvel now has become so homogenized and corporatized that I think that some of the more interesting storytelling that they used to do has gone away. Yeah. Because it's all about brand protection for the movies. Right. Um, now, DC hasn't been, in, Warner Brothers hasn't managed to make very many successful movies. So they're allowed to do a little bit more experimentation in their storylines. Well, and I've always felt DC has had more fun with sort of the their Elseworlds and mm-hmm. the alternate universe or the other worlds. Well, the, the whole embracing a multiverse right. is interesting. And, and again, we're going through this again with some other new comics that are going on. They've reintroduced the Legion, like we said in the last episode. Um It'll be interesting to see if they start to have successful films, how that impacts the publishing side. Right. But at this point, at least, it seems like DC is allowing creators to kind of do their own things with the characters within reasonable boundaries. Right. I, I don't feel like that exists with Star Wars or with Marvel. Um, I disagree from the Star Wars comic side. Okay. Like, did you ever read Doctor Afra or that? I did. Or which... that Darth Vader series? That Darth Vader series, in addition to Rogue One, really kind of redeemed the character of Vader. Well, and they've started the tie-in comics for the new Star Wars. Uh, the Skywalkers go on a vacation or something, <laughs> um, and it's supposed to be the build-up about what happens after the the last Jedi fell asleep. Um. And I, I've kind of browsed the few. There's two issues out, I think, at this point. And I browsed through them, and I'm like, eh, I'm not really engaged in this. Yeah. Um, Afra, great series. All of the kind of side stories is where they do experiment a little bit. Right. But 
the mainline well, stories. The mainline has been essentially side stories. I mean, they've gone to some weird, interesting places in the Star Wars universe. But they haven't reintroduced giant green rabbits. Not yet. <laughs> Which, that needs to happen. Because that was one of the areas the original Marvel comic really excelled. Which is filling in these gaps between the films with interesting characters and kind of stories. And I can still recall, you know, in the 80s, reading the Star Wars comics that Marvel put out, um, where they were creating new philosophies and an entire new characters and races, like the Nagai. Um, and there was a lot of this Luke coming into his own as a Jedi before Return of the Jedi. Right. So we're, we're kind of repeating history now, except this time it gets to be official. Because they care about that now. Right. They didn't care about that then. So, I don't know. I, I'm cautiously, cynically optimistic. Yeah, I, I think the com- like, the comic side of the house, in my opinion, the Star Wars comics are so much more... They're stronger than the Marvel comics. Like that, Even though they're under the Marvel publishing brand, the writers and the stories they've done have been so much more engaging than... Oh, look, everybody has an Iron Man suit now, or, you know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I know I'm generalizing a bunch of stories, but... I, I wish you were exaggerating. Well, and we haven't talked about what's going on in X-Men lately. That's no. freaking I've, bizarre. I've briefly caught up, so I don't know everything on I, it. Ugh, there's just some stuff. Maybe we'll tackle that next time. Marvel so, doesn't know what to do with the X-Men. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Well, it, I think it comes down to is they kind of have them back, and they don't know how to bring them... Because X-Men yeah. have always been... Over here. Yeah, but they, they've they spent so long marginalizing that group because they couldn't capitalize on the movies. Right. That now we're in a situation where they're doing some really interesting changes on the continuity on the comic book side. But, you know, and this was an epiphany I had not too long ago, which is I don't think that we're getting these great comic book story runs that are... That generated the movies that we've been enjoying the last decade. Right. Creators just aren't writing those kinds of stories anymore because everything's got to be intertwined and it's got to have the right people and the right, it just, maybe I'm a little biased, but it feels to me like the old days were better. Yeah. So talk to me about this bizarro verse anthology series. Yeah, so on the on the Warner Brothers side, on DC, uh, they announced a few different things for DC Universe, which apparently is not being folded into like HBO Max or one of the other streaming platforms that they're about to launch. Uh, DC Universe appears to be staying on its own, um, and one of the things they announced is an animated series called the Bizarroverse Anthology, and it will be these little bizarro... Not in the fact like Bizarro Superman, but like alternate takes or strange stories, that that kind of approach. Okay. Um. So yeah, don't lock yourself into it's a world that's Bizarro Flash and you know, Bizarro Flash <laughs> run slow. <laughs> uh, you know. Um. It. I'm sure there will be those episodes, but from what they've released, it's kind of more of a experimental anthology. I love. Anthology. I think that's something. Well, Marvel's doing one, right? Mm-hmm. With the what, uh, the what if, right? Yeah, that's coming up with Disney Plus. So I'm I'm excited for those. Um, and and I think this is in some ways DC's version of that. Yeah. Um, the other thing they announced, which we've kind of already seen, um, is that any of the DC animated movies 
that are released to digital and, and Blu-ray will be available on the service 90 days after launch. That's crazy and good. Yeah. And then the movies generally, the animated movies are good. Because that's, that's how long it takes to get to DVD anyways after it digitally releases. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good point. Once, once it's gotten through its initial sell period on digital, you can watch it on the service. So, like, uh, Wonder Woman Bloodlines came out digitally, I think, a week or two ago. And it's scheduled to be on the service before the end of the year. Uh, the other one is Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Yeah, I saw that was coming out. I, I've seen it. Is it worth... It was disappointing. It's not worth your time, even if you're a fan of both? I... Uh, no. It's more Teen Titans Go than Teen Titans. Right. They can't and, have the the brooding and... Well, they kind of make fun of it, right? Yeah. And, and that's the part... The setup at the end of the Teen Titans Go to the Movies film, where you're thinking you're going to get this dramatic story about the the, the old Teen Titans... It doesn't work that way. I mean, it's unfortunate. Actually, to spoil the plot, it's Trigon from the Teen Titans Go universe teaming up with Trigon from from, uh, Teen Titans That reminds me of the Turtles crossover, which they've done like three times now. But the original one, before the Nickelodeon series came out, they did a, the 2003 series crosses over with the the 89 series. 89, yeah. And it was Shredder from the 89 series teaming up with Shredder from the new series. And Shredder in the the middle series, the 2000 series, was like a super series. And then you have Shredder, who was Uncle Phil, <laughs> yeah. you know, coming from the... And he was such a buffoon. <laughs> he's yeah, like, we'll super steal, ineffective he's, ninja. We'll steal the ocean, you know. Hey, that's a Cobra Commander. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blow up the ocean. And, and he was going to control the weather. Yeah. <laughs> the original G.I. Joe miniseries. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of media, but the one thing I think is interesting about NYCC, it's kind of the, you know, the the right coast Comic-Con. Uh, but it tends to be more creative focused. But the days of its influence are waning because Marvel doesn't operate out of New York anymore. Right. DC is transitioning to California as well. It's very weird, the the state we find comic books in, because all of these big publishers have become such corporate entities, not that they weren't before, but in many cases they operated somewhat independently of their corporate overlords. Now they're money-making instruments for movies. Right. And I think you're saying Marvel and DC, but I think the Image and some of the other publishers are actually more popular than ever. Well... Because they're... Pumping out very creative stuff. And that's one thing, just to be fair, we focus a lot on the two big companies. We obviously talk a good deal about Image and Dark Horse too. The smaller publishers, the the Titan Comics, the Boom, all, Dynamite, all of these other labels that have come and gone, they put out some good stuff. And if you're not looking at more broad than the superhero genre, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um yeah, that's normally what I read. Um, is outside. I don't. I read Batman on DC, but and I've talked about it multiple times on this series. Is the Turtles series through mm-hmm. IDW is the best. And IDW's got some really interesting media tie-in series that they take seriously. Yeah, they had a really good Transformers run. And they're still Simon Furman was on that forever. Yeah. Um, 
it's and again that's a media marketing tie-in but the the bayverse has pretty much been able to do its own thing and the comics have gone back and retold the war on cybertron and kind of gone into you know ultra magnus's rise and fall and all of that stuff so if you're a transformers fan for a long time there you had a lot of good options and and those are still around you should go look them up yep all right all right one more comic book thing before we move on to other stuff and then come back to comics probably because we always do but uh return the legion of superheroes is coming back and there's been a few month lead up to this on the dc side because in the modern continuity uh the the legion of superheroes and the all-star squadron or the justice society didn't exist in this new continuity that supposedly got created as part of the post-Watchmen universe, post-New 52, Rebirth. And one of the things that they've done, they've kind of twisted the story a little bit, where this is not Clark Kent as a teenager in Smallville going to the future with his friends. It's actually how they're going to deal with the anomaly of Jonathan Kent, his son, Superboy. So they're sending Superboy to the future. But they also, and if you haven't been reading Superman comics lately since Bendis got here, he's made a bunch of changes to the Superman family. Well, and you heard the latest change. It was just announced. Yes, I did. Let's come back to that one okay. for a second. Uh, so first off, they're, they are under Bendis's brilliance, because he knows how to write young heroes, apparently. Or so the philosophy is. Um they're sending Jonathan to the future to hang out with the um, the Legion. And there's even rumor that they may send Damien to the future. They aged Jonathan, so he's now basically 17 or 18 years old. He's not 12 like he was. Uh, comic book writers have a trouble writing 12-year-olds. So they find every way they can to age them as quickly as possible. The idea of Superman having to worry about his, you know, middle school kid uh, doesn't make for a compelling story. So they, of course, either ignore him or they send him off into space with his evil, corrupt, not dead space grandpa, which is what they ended up doing with Superboy. Okay, I'm, yeah, okay. Because Jor-El's not dead. Of course not. He, he also is kind of insane and evil. Uh, yeah, because you got to do that. And this this all uh, turns out he was. I'm pulling my face mask off right now. He was General Zod all along. No, Zod and his family. Oh, don't tell me. Are friends with Superman right now? They okay. don't agree philosophically, but they're the last remaining Kryptonians. Oh so gosh. there's like seven thousand Kryptonians now. And uh, yeah, let's just not even dive into this one. <laughs> um, but anyways, the Legion is one of the two comics that I started, or all three comics that I started reading when I was a kid. I read Teen Titans, the Perez Wolfman era. I read Legion, and and at the time, Legion didn't have an active comic. It was a bunch of reprints of the 1960s serials. Right. And they were I got them at a book fair, and so I was absorbing all of that. And the other one was X Men. Right. This was the Burn Claremont era of X Men. And so Legion's the one that's gone through the most changes of those three and really has struggled even more than Titans has 
to remain relevant. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if we get some kind of viable story out of this. Um, it seems also like, and this is a personal bias, obviously, Bendis being given so much control and power over the major characters in the DC universe bothers me. Um, I got tired of his storytelling on the Marvel side when they did the same thing. Now DC's thrown a ton of money at him and said, make our characters as successful as you did for the Marvel guys. DC's characters are fundamentally different. Yes, they are. And you can't take the same approach. I just, this is what I'm worried about. And we're a year into this, and I'm starting to already see this homogenization of approach. Right. And, and it bothers me. Nobody cares in the real world, but... No, I think it's interesting for... I, I say diehard in the in the nicest way that you're a DC diehard and I don't mean I don't mean that in a No, it's funny because yeah. if you'd talked to me in the late 90s, yeah. I didn't read a single DC comic. Yeah. You know, it's it's just the last few years that I've kind of gone back to DC. Yeah, but I mean, oh, let's just say you're you're a big fan, so when somebody from a a creative influence comes out from the outside and does stuff like this for the 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 meaning of, or the the purpose of, of just generating buzz, you know. Well, he's the reason I stopped reading Marvel comics. Right. So have him come over to DC and start messing with characters that I like, and storylines that were in progress. And and DC's had inconsistent publishing schedules the last few years too. Right. Uh, with the transition to the you know California offices and all that. And the Watchmen verse. Uh, speaking of which. <laughs> Watchmen TV show premieres this weekend. Yeah, we'll talk about that next episode. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Sean, uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Lucasfilm Publishing teased okay. a top secret Star Wars project called Project Luminous. Didn't see it. Well, here's the only thing they released uh, essentially about this. And this was a quote The Force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things until Project Luminous 2020. So people have been speculating, what does this mean about the Force? Or this, is this where they're leading to with the rise of Skywalker, which we know Sean's feelings about the previous film? Is the Force just going to uh, unleash, so to speak, to everything? Oh, God, that was horrible. I know, it was really bad, right? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what the and then and and I know your feelings on this, but the Star Wars again. We've talked. We talked about the comics. It's they want to make this an ongoing huge thing, and into the fact that Feige, Kevin Feige, has gotten introduced into the Star Wars side of the film house. He's part mm-hmm. of that now too. Um, I hope Kevin Feige doesn't get sick or get tired of it and quit, because that's the entire media empire right there. Yeah, that's just not. I mean, you got to clean up after Kathleen Kennedy, but right. <sighs> wow. So it's interesting to see what they'll do. Um, I link to it in the show notes. Check it out. See what your thoughts are. Are you excited about what Star Wars is going to be after the Skywalker saga? And I want to clarify something. I think there's a misconception on your part. I am not. Uh, I got to think how to say this. <laughs> I am greatly disappointed by the films. 
the yes. mainstream mainline films. Well, you liked Rogue One, right? I I do like Rogue One, yeah. uh, and I know that's not necessarily a popular opinion sometimes either. Uh, I, however, do still love Star Wars. I know I, it's it's an exaggeration on my part. You know, I'm just yeah, I, I just poking. I, the we're bear. in one of those dark periods for me. It is like the dark ages for you. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for J.J. Abrams to go make like Mission Impossible 27. The question I have for you that's not in our show notes is, is there anything that the Rise of Sky... You're not going to go see it when it comes out. Probably not. Right, but is there anything that you're going to be able to read or see that will convince you to see it while it's in theaters? Is that still on your mind, or are you just going to say, I'll wait until it's on... Uh, uh, HBO TNT Max or, or Disney Plus, <laughs> yeah, because it won't go to TNT anymore. It'll go to Disney Plus. Right, right, right. Uh, I don't know. I, nothing so far has com- been compelling. Because I mean, the more you read about it, it's like, yeah, we know people didn't like the last movie, and we're gonna fix all that. That's basically what yeah, the but, interviews. But are they for. haven't shown anything. To well, fix the trailer it. is launching uh, in a couple days after this recording. So yeah, well, maybe that'll be the tipping point. If it, and you know what, let's let's table that. Until okay. the next episode. And what sure. you can say, Sean, you've seen the new trailer. Did it change your mind? We're now a month and a half out from release. <laughs> and I'm going to probably go... No. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Moving on. This is Jared's little geek out se- session here. Wow. But uh, there was something announced that we didn't talk about uh, several months ago. And it's called The Playdate. And it's made by Panic Software. They're a Mac publisher for software. They were also uh, the develop or partially developed Firewatch, the video game. Mm-hmm. They're working on another game that the studio got bought up by Valve. And yeah. uh, I'm trying to think what most recently they involved with, but I can't. Anyhow, they announced a new handheld device. Okay. That looks very much like an old school Game Boy. Two buttons, uh, sort of a LED screen. Black and white, gra- you know, four bit graphics, um, and a little hand crank on the side. <laughs> their their premise with this console is they're gonna they're talking to major indie developers. They're gonna have one game release every week for twenty two weeks, um, and I forget what the the handheld retails for, but I think it's like probably two hundred dollars. So, so this is a hardware concept looking for software. Yes. Okay. This is this is this is a it's it's sort of an all in one. It's 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 like a boutique indie gamers device that they're selling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not for the mainstream by any means. So, do you know what sells hardware? What games? Right, but they're getting. They seem like they're doing this backwards. No, they've gotten all the developers lined up. Okay. Have they announced anything compelling? Yes. Oh, what? Yeah. Um. There's one. I'm trying to think of the developers. I should have done my research and listed it here, but. They're getting a bunch of prominent indie developers to make games, and they've shown off a couple. Okay. Right. And again, they're not expecting you to buy day one, but the idea is they're going to have individual experiences that are early on this little handheld. Hmm. But what's ironic about that is just recently announced is Jared's Dream Console. Yeah. Um, Analog, the makers of the Super NT, the Mega SG which are new consoles that play old SNES games and Genesis cartridges, respectively. Without emulation, you can use your old controls, play it to HDMI, 1080p with perfectly sized pixels and sound, 100% authentic recreation of the old games, so you have your slowdown. Again, not emulation. 
I love that console. They announced the Analog Pocket, which looks like an old school Game Boy. Okay. And it will play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advanced out of the gate with a 1440p display that's literally this big. So like 2 by 4 Yeah. Um, and they're additionally adding add-ons that will let you play Game Gear cartridges, Neo Geo Pocket, and a couple others. So, again, this is a hardware um, emulation, for lack of a better term. Where they you're putting the original cart in and you're playing it. You're playing the cart. Yep. yep. You're not playing the ROM. You're so it's not like you're downloading ROMs as part of a subscription service or anything like no. that. No. This is uh, so this is perfect for you. This is for collectors 100%. If you don't have these games, um, yeah. additionally they announced a dock for it, for the meaning TV. you can play on your TV with any of the. See, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the GBA add-on for the GameCube. Yes. It is very much like that, but the the problem with the GBA, and this is where I'm getting a little, you probably don't want to hear, but so there's a there's a small fan group that wants to play handheld games on TV as a means of preservation and streaming mm-hmm. and all that. Maybe even speedrunning. And speedrunning, right. And the Game Boy Player, which is the GameCube add-on, first off, it played Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. Yep. Um, it used really bad sort of filtering to play those games. And the GameCube only outputs to 480i. Additionally, there's no good D-pad controller for the GameCube, yeah. which is something you need. Um, so this is really good because it's going to be an HDMI solution. Bring back these games. It's I'm so excited for this. No, I, I, obviously I'll have to play it when you get it, see how it yeah. is. And it will support all the Game Boy, um, the Super Game Boy Player stuff. Oh, so. wow. You know, Donkey Kong 94 and all those that had specialized the colors and borders. And... Or the Hamtaro Ham Ham game. Yep. Did you know there is a two-player game, same screen, Game Boy game, that only worked with Super Nintendo that I had? No, I didn't know that. Wario Blast. Oh, remember that? yeah, I did know Wario. It was Bomberman v. Wario. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> it's It's an incredibly weird game. And so I'm excited to have the Game Boy kind of come back into the... To the spotlight, because there's a lot of good weird games for that. Moving on. Yes. So, we we record this in Columbus. We're both Columbus natives. And Columbus has a long history uh, in the comic book community of providing kind of independent comic book artists. And there are a few better known in Columbus than Jeff Smith, the creator of Bone. This week was a very good week for Jeff, I would guess in the fact that they announced that they're turning Bone into an animated series for Netflix. Yeah, and this is something I never even imagined. So Bone, surprisingly, Sean, I don't know if you knew this, though, if I ever shared this with you. Bone was one of the first comic books I ever read. That's surprising. I didn't know that. Um, there was a comic shop um, near the bowling alley in Grove City, Ohio, that was within bike distance of my house, like a five-minute bike ride. And I went over there with friends, and for me, that was I remember going around, this was around the death of Superman time in my head, so what year was that? 92, 93? Yeah, so I mean, I remember writing over there, and you know, comics were kind of, those were new to me. I lived a very sheltered life, so comic mm-hmm. books were not part of my normal consumption. 
And I forget how I came across Bone, and I don't. It wasn't because that the that and Jeff the fact was, that they had a single issue of Bone, right? Yeah, and I had a couple, and I don't. Because he self published. Yeah, there wasn't they, a big. I had several issues. I probably had about ten, fifteen issues of it, and I remember reading it. And um, so this is this is awesome, and I I've never thought. This is a perfect series for an animated series. Well, and they tried to turn it into a Telltale game series, and they did a fairly good job, I thought. Though Smith said he wasn't very happy with the way that it turned out, and then he ultimately yanked the um, rights away from Telltale. And that was an early Telltale. That was before everything was the same. Right. Um, But, uh, no, this is awesome. I mean, really exciting. And Netflix has had a pretty good solid animation sort of push. I'm still waiting for another season of Castlevania. I'm right there with you. But, but they haven't I'm, announced anything. No. Um but I mean the the run they did on Voltron's been amazing. The uh yeah. was the anthology series they haven't finished, but Love Death and Rocket. That Robots. was really good. Um, well, and they did a really good job relaunching Shira without He-Man. Right. Um apparently another side story here. The He-Man live action that was in production is being shunted to Netflix Direct. It's not going to be released theatrically. Interesting. That's not a good sign. <laughs> no. But uh, So this is awesome, and if you've never read Bone, check it out. Um, yeah. Next up, Sony has joined the pack in supporting crossplay because they got forced to. Oh, well. <laughs> when enough of your customers say, uh, we're going to not buy these games on your platform if you're not going to let them be crossplay. Yeah, I mean, crossplay is, I, I think, we're at the point where this is an expectation from fans. Um, I think it should be a selling point going into the next generation of hardware. I think so too. And um, one of the popular YouTube streamers that talks about fighting games has talked about to make fighting games a little more approachable. Crossplay has got to be there as part of it mm-hmm. because the, the fighting game community is pretty niche already. And if you have to pick, Sean, what system are you going to play this on? I'm going to play it on Xbox. I'm going to play it on PC. And it's a fighting game, right? Yeah. We're not talking about FPS, mouse, and keyboard. We're talking about fighting game. So I'm glad it's here. Um, and we've seen some new stuff, especially with uh, Destiny. It may not be cross-play, but it's cross-save. So the cross-save on Destiny. So here's the next thing I think we need. Okay, we can now play across multiple consoles. Let me buy one copy of the so- software... Against And I understand that it yeah. cuts into the profit margins. Then sell me a license. Just something small. But right now, I'm maintaining two copies of Destiny. And that's great for Bungie. That That isn't... So I, I have thoughts about what is realistic and what's not realistic. So we've seen Fortnite that's gone cross-play, uh, cross-account merger... And even to the point where your cosmetics are all merged into one account, a mm-hmm. cr- platform agnostic. The platform doesn't matter. You're playing whatever you want. And they're still making money because you're still going to buy stuff. You're still going to get exactly. keys, boxes. And that's a free-to-play game. So I think that's right. where it's a little different. Um, so is Destiny. Right. Well, I'll get there. Um, <laughs> then we have games like Rocket League, which is now owned by Epic, where I can play with anybody regardless of platform, PC, Switch. I play mm-hmm. on Switch. And it's... And we it's, did it a few days ago. And it's fantastic. You played on PC. I think Sean played on PC, or he played on PS4, and I was playing on Switch. Yep. And it was, it's Smooth. amazing no problem. to do, right? Um, but my cosmetics don't go to my PS4 account. And if, right. 
And the graphics, Rocket League is one of those games where graphics aren't great, but Sean shared a screenshot in our Discord of sort of the new tie-in to Stranger Things on his PC, and it looks fantastic. On Switch, it does not look that good. <laughs> now, it plays fine, but it doesn't look that good. Yeah, because they're looking at optimization of gameplay. Right. There, so, it's not visuals. And then we get to games like Destiny where, yeah, it is free-to-play, but they're not doing a cosmetic sort of distribution they're doing content distribution where you're selling you're yeah. selling i mean it's a, both a plot yeah and that's that it's weird because you know sony's got to take their their chunk of that right or if you're playing on ps4 and uh i imagine destiny 2's on steam mm-hmm. you know the steam take a chunk of prices for in-game purchases probably so right i mean that's well no i don't think they do i think it's all bungie is it all Bungie? I don't think Steam gets a percentage of that. They get a percentage of the initial sale for expansions. Right, but I know Sony... There's no way Sony's not taking a chunk of sales for in-game content. Hmm. Right? I don't know. Well, that's something we may need to investigate. But, I mean, that's yeah. been primarily for DLC, right? Any well, DLC. for DLC, I think the platform is always getting a cut. Right. For the incidentals, like, um, you know, buying armor or a weapon or a vehicle... Right. Buying silver, right? Because you're buying virtual currency. Uh, I think they may get a cut of the virtual server, virtual currency, but not the actual product purchases so, themselves. So, I mean, from that standpoint, there's little incentive for them to sort of allow that content licensing. Except that it's consumer friendly. I, I'm with you 100% and I agree with you. I just yeah. don't think it's realistic. Well, we'll see. Because I think that's one of the things holding uh, Rocket League back was with all the licensed premium DLC. Yeah. Um, you know, the in-game DLC that you get through in-game currency, that may be realistic. But when I buy the Batman car through Sony's servers, I don't think... Well, and that's what stopped me from buying it. Right. I mean, we talked about this. Because I have it on PS4. I have it on Switch. Right. And I know I have it on... I bought it this week on PC because I didn't want to go get my Switch or sit in front of my TV. I wanted to play it on my PC. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I could buy custom content, but yeah, I could even buy the the season pass, but it won't apply if I play on one of the other platforms. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that either. Um, so that's the next problem to fix. Yeah, I don't um, know if it'll happen, but we'll see. Moving on, Sean, this is yours. It is. So Monster Hunter, have yeah. you had a chance to play Monster Hunter World yet? Not yet. Okay, so I own it on two platforms. I haven't bought Iceborne, Iceborne yet. No Iceborne? Okay. Because Iceborne's not out for the PC. Okay. Uh, for some reason, Capcom can't release both platform or console and PC at the same time. And I primarily play Monster Hunter on my PC with my son. He plays it on the Xbox or the PS4, either one. I, I tend to like the PC more. Uh, but one of the things, and we've talked about this in previous episodes... There was a Witcher crossover. There was a... I don't think it was Bayonetta. There was some other kind of weird Capcom crossover. Well, this is the weirdest one yet. Resident Evil is crossing over into Monster Hunter. That's really weird. And and I'm like, great marketing? But what? I mean... Capcom's kind of been pushing the crossover stuff, and I haven't... I need to... Look into this before our next episode is Teppen, the card game they have on mobile. It's highly popular. I've um, never even heard of it. And it's one of those games that nobody's heard of that's been out for several months now. And they've been pushing the crossover aspect with that. And I think Mega Man was inserting itself into oh, something I saw recently. 
Um, it might have been hmm. Monster Hunter or something. No, I don't. I didn't see a Mega Man Monster Hunter. But that I would have definitely would call. Capcom's <laughs> pretty good with the crossover. I mean, there's all kinds of weird costumes in Street Fighter V where you can be Airman for Rashid and you can be Mega Man for. Well, Ryu. if you think back, you know, um, Dead Rising. Yeah, there was the Mega Man. You can yeah, do the Buster, the Buster. armor. Well, you know, the Buster's in Devil May Cry as well. Um, <laughs> like, okay, cool. So I'm not. This is very. It's a very interesting hybrid, right? With well, Monster I'm trying Hunter, to think. But... I, mean, I could kind of buy The Witcher. It kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, Geralt. There's there's multi dimensionality, right? And and he hunts monsters. That's right. what he does. Uh, and he could have easily stepped through a portal. That's part of the mythology of The Witcher. And shown up on the witch on the Monster Hunter World universe, and then gone back to Tamaria or where or Dania or wherever. Uh, but in this context, I'm like, how do you get Jill and you know Chris and all those characters into Monster Hunter and have them not go? Why, where the hell am I? And is it still going to be like a cover based resource? <laughs> like I got to get a green herb. <laughs> well, there are green herbs all over Monster Hunter. <laughs> you have all of the collection yeah. and all of that, but. But ammunition, you're not going to see Jill Valentine running around in, you know, giant monster armor. Well, that's what I mean. Are they just going to be sitting 60 feet back shooting with their eight-clip handgun to take down? <laughs> Which won't work, <laughs> right? Because in the game itself, you're building these giant gun swords that yeah. shoot, like, tank and or, or tank yeah. ammo, and it doesn't take these monsters down. Right. So I just – it'll be very interesting to see how they keep that working. Yep. All right. So from one bizarre crossover to another. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about how Dungeons & Dragons has had this huge popularity resurgence over the last few years. And to the point where, like, Arby's was doing paper craft stuff around video games and, and D&D and stuff like that. Well, now, Wendy's, the fast food restaurant based out of Columbus, Ohio, has jumped back into this with its own standalone, independent role-playing game. Not based on Dungeons & Dragons. With a setting and monsters and characters and, oh my gosh, what the hell is this? Who's going to play this? I want to play you it. You want to play it? So it is, it's working? No, I mean, seriously, it's free, first off, so you're not buying anything. But... It just and it's got high production quality. It's got some really interesting artwork in it. So I don't. Did we talk about this last time? What is up with like Arby's and Wendy's? So Wendy's also did an entire campaign set in Super Mario Maker Two, all Wendy's themed. Who? Well, has these got, jobs? They they've got to have a digital media or new media group. They do. But, I mean, I'll guarantee you, they do. No, they do, right? I understand that. I understand new media and the social media. I'm a social media expert, which makes me barf in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but Digital transformation. Okay, I and, and we get into marketing. But is a Wendy's RPG going to have in any direct correlation to sales of Wendy's? It made me want a Frosty. Oh, it's working then. <laughs> I like Frosty's generally. Or is it just that their marketing budgets are so big that they can just be like, ah, we're just going to use this. I don't think it's that. I think it's they're trying to find a way to appeal to people that aren't going to just go, I want a chicken McNugget. That's uh, McDonald's. Yeah. Or, I mean, it just, they want to stand out. And it does. 
I, but it does. But does that actually work in terms of sales? I don't think we'll ever know. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I, I think it's hilarious. It's, it's working on it. goodwill. I, it's like when I watch, you know, commercials that make me laugh, right? For insurance, I haven't switched my insurance since I had it. I'm not going to. You're um, not going to buy Progressive. No, but those they're entertaining, right? And they beat me in with, you know... But they keep the brand in mind. You still think about it. I don't think about it when I'm not watching TV. Well, I think about Wendy's now when I look at a so, D&D manual. I guess you're answering the question. No. no <laughs> Sean has been talking about this Wendy's RPG for weeks. Well, it's only been out like a week. But... Weeks. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, if you're if you're interested at all in seeing what this is, you they've actually set up an entire website... On, off the Wendy's, you know, corporate website where you can download this. I recommend you do because it's a PDF. It's great. Just squirrel it away one day. If anything, it might be a good basic introduction into RPGs. It is. Right? It, it actually, it walks you through the basics of a character generation. There's a progression system for characters. There's a built-in campaign where you're fighting uh, these Scottish Highlanders from the Meat Kingdom or something like that. <laughs> And there's some clown running their government or <laughs> yeah okay. you actually fight against McDonald's <laughs> in the campaign uh, oh but you gosh. go like the frosties come from the frozen ice giant wastes and it, they have ties into their food it's funny it, yeah so and and the classes are just you have to read the classes alone that just wow okay you haven't read it, have you? And I, I, I saw when you linked to it, but I haven't gone in depth. You need, need to read it. Just okay. like actually read the backstory for the world and So is this is this new Wendy's lore? Does now Wendy's have an entire lore to its restaurants? It, it, no, I don't think it's gonna <laughs> supplant the little redhead girl stuff, but it definitely Wait, is Wendy herself a part of the RPG? There, is Dave Thomas? So there is artwork that reflects the the blue and white striped kind of girls suit, but this is a like hulking barbarian queen, and she's got red pigtails and. So Wendy's is based on this old mythology yeah, that was it's, lost. It's really to time. Norse mythologies where Wendy's came from. Okay. Yeah. Next. <laughs> All right. Now I want sea salt fries, or baconator. I do not like their fries. I like, like the I baconator fries. The baconator, yeah. All right, what's next, Sean? This is not sponsored. By the way, Wendy's, we, we, we would we'll love to sponsor, have sponsors for our podcast, but uh, not sponsored. Next is um, some game you won't stop talking about. Would you say I'm prattling incessantly about it? Well, that is where the title of this episode <laughs> came from. Uh, Killer Queen Black finally released for the PC and the Switch. The Switch, yep. And if you're at all familiar with Killer Queen... It is a five-on-five dual arcade game. It It's not easy to come by because it's only in certain places. It's a very expensive cabinet. I think own. there's only 100 in the U.S. Maybe it's yeah, more around and that. One of them's in Columbus. Yep. Yeah, here. But there's Chicago, New York. There's a few in New York. There's a few in L.A. Uh, Colorado, I think. Denver or Phoenix, Arizona. That, But the whole idea is that you're playing together. This is a cooperative arcade game. It's a team-based, objective-based arcade game. And so in translating it to the internet... Well, by the way, that's the other thing I want to mention. 
The Killer Queen consoles are not generally internet connected as far as I know. There. Are they? So you can play people in other bars? Okay. But they're, you buy them in a pair. So there's two five-player consoles. And it's two-button controls. Yep. Um, and, and I've got some friends who are active in the local fighting game community here who also absolutely love Killer Queen. Like, they travel to play Killer Queen. Yeah. And uh, so Jared and I have been talking about this for a while. I think we may have mentioned it once or twice in a previous episode. So, yeah, when Killer Queen Black, which was the console release, got announced, it was part of a Nintendo, I think it was an E3 at Nintendo last year, and it was literally just a logo when it was originally announced. Yes, it was. Like, they didn't have a grand announcement. Everybody just saw Killer Queen Black. Wait, their console, they're making a console version of Killer Queen, and it's coming to Switch? And that was essentially all we heard about it for a while. Yeah. Um... And then for the last year, we've seen some gameplay video, and they've been marketing it, and it got delayed because it was supposed to be out at the beginning of the year, and it kind of got delayed till now. But it's out. It is. And I've played it. And, and all so I wanted I. to do one weekend was play it, and everybody had their lives going on, so I was a little disappointed. But He's holding Destiny ransom. <laughs> I just want to let you know, because we've been trying to get Jared to join us in playing Destiny 2 for a while. Now, it's free to play. He doesn't invest in it, because, you know, he doesn't buy video games very often. <laughs> I, you know, so here we are trying to get him to play Destiny with us, because it's retooled and it might be something he's interested in. And he's like, you bastards haven't played Killer Queen with me yet. I'm not playing any games with you until then. <laughs> I've been slightly obnoxious lately about it. One week. It's been out a week. I know. It, but here's the thing. I played it with four people in the same room online. And I, it, if you have hopes, all hopes were met. Mm-hmm. It is really, really, really fun. And what I want to do at some point is get eight people together and play it all. So we have, we have opportunities coming up. I know. I know, and I know those are on the horizon, but I want to get you introduced. I want you to play it because you've watched gameplay videos, and mm-hmm. they do do a good, uh, a good representation of what it is to kind of understand the mechanics and the objectives. But I really want you to play it because I want to hear Sean. You cannot verbally react to this game. I, it's you downloaded it. I know he's already I have played it, it on my Switch. I know, and he played a little bit earlier. Is it crossplay? It is crossplay with PC. However, you can't um, party up yet. Okay. Um, cross systems. So um, the online's pretty solid. It's there's been a lot of reviews about the local and, wireless not working because it's not LAN. It's switch local wireless. Right. You have to connect to the internet to connect to a local game. Well, and that's that's they've said that's a bug. That's not going to be a requirement. Okay. But. It's the Switch local proprietary wireless that's part of the problem, which if you've played Smash through local wireless... And if you're in the Discord, you'll see that I linked to a video of Tim Rogers and uh, Cecilia, I think, at at Kotaku playing it. Right. And and Tim was talking about the fact that he'd played a lot... Actually, it was the foundation of a GDC talk that he gave a year ago. And uh, during the whole match, I'm watching it and I'm going, well, they're really bad at this. And the reality is he was experiencing input lag from his 8-bit dough uh, yeah. pro controller. And he's like, normally I wouldn't say anything like this because I don't want to yeah. prejudice so we watched, people. I watched that video then. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. So, But it, it's a good representation of the game. And if you can get people who can actually work together, it's it's amazing to watch it played. 
Yeah, and so, and, and if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, the the main the the big mechanic of the game is you're playing as like bee people, uh, post apocalyptic space bees, space bees in armor, and you're working as a hive. You have a queen and three workers. And you have to work in tandem with each other. And there's three ways to win a match. You can win through killing the opponent's queen three times. You can win through economic. There's little berries in the stage that mm-hmm. um, help players either upgrade the warrior or the the workers to warriors. Or yeah, there's these little transformation pods. Yeah, and if you pick up one of the berries, you can choose to transform rather than take it to the hive. Right. And then you can take it to Hive, and with 12 berries, you win as an economic win. Yeah. Then there's the last, the the most hilarious way to win, and it's the snail win. There's a snail in every match. And first off, everything takes place takes place on one screen with some screen wrap mechanics. Um, yeah, there's looping. And there's a snail. And a worker can jump on the snail and run it towards their side of the goal. It's basically tug of war. And so you have to keep track of everything all at once. You have to keep track of what the other team's doing with berries. Because all three ways of winning are viable at all times. Right. So you've got to change strategies. You might say, hey, we're bearing. Oh, I'm going for snail. Guard the snail. We're two inches away from winning. Well, and the military victory requires you to defeat the opposing queen three times. Right. And the queens are not more powerful. They're faster. They have a little they bit are more, more reach. Poor. Yeah, they they can do a dive move. Right. Which, but they can still die in one hit. Yeah. Everything's one hit kill. Um, the workers can respawn in- infinitely, but the queen has limited lives. And you only have three lives. But these mechanics yep. are really well balanced, and it's really, really fun. So if the science, co-ti- bleh, the science, cosines, and tangents community wants to meet up and play Killer Queen Black or play online. Jared would be happy with all of you. Absolutely. So that's my review for that. Absolutely right. recommend. If you have a Switch and you have three people in your household that want to play, it will be a fun Yeah, time and if you're play. wondering how do you get eight people on a single Switch, that'll be interesting. You don't. You have to have two Switches. Ah. And so everybody, same with PC. So you sneakily convinced me to buy something I was already going to buy to the facilitate second switch. this. No, just the second, the game. Oh. Or did you already bought it on both of yours? Uh, we did. Okay. Yep. So... Yeah, that's the weird thing is it is an eight-player game total, 4v4, but the developers were very incessant that you cannot play eight people in one system on Switch or PC, which is, there's not a power or performance issue with that. It's no. just more of a design decision. And it's I a very, well, which is interesting because the Switch can support eight concurrent controllers. Yes. yep. And... If they ever put it on the Xbox, I, I didn't realize this until I did some research. The Xbox supports 32 controllers. Yep. <laughs> what? Yeah. Nobody's you can see how many people are using that. Somebody needs to take advantage of that. With yeah. A, yeah, 32. Like, I'm imagining like a... I can't even afford 32 controllers. A Battle Royale-like pixel game. <laughs> yeah. All, right, All right, so let's first review. Second review, a uh, little indie game that came out called Sayonara Wild Hearts. I have heard nothing about this. Interesting. I'll have to show you this. Um, so this came out on Apple Arcade. This was an Apple Arcade um, debut, but it also debuted on Switch the same week. And the only way I can describe it is a little bit of res. Um, they describe it as a visual pop album game. And that's how they've they've marketed it, and that's how it shows up in the beginning of the game. It okay. is... It's very simple controls. You're moving on the screen sort of like Res, where you're controlling a character and you're just trying to get 
things, but that's not part of the, that's just the interactive part. It's all about the music, the interactivity and sort of the narrative story that it tells with the visuals and the narration. Um, Mm. This is just one of those games that I think is more of an experience than anything else. I knocked it out in 40 minutes. Uh, My wife, Erica watched it with me. We loved it. We loved the music. We loved sort of what it did. Um, There's a surprise narrator, which I'm not going to spoil for you right now, but it tells you at the end of the game, it's like, oh, and the narrator has been, we're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, The visuals are just, they're very stunning. I mean, they're a little, uh, a little much, but they are fun. And the art style is really good, but I definitely recommend it out. And what platforms is it available on? Right now, I believe it's on Switch, uh, Apple Arcade, and then maybe PC. Okay. And it, I think it's this. coming out to other things. But it the this is entering Jared's Video Game Music Corner recommendation. The music, the soundtracks on Apple Music and all streaming platforms. Hmm. The music alone. If you don't want to play the game, listen to the music. It is awesome. So I'm going to have to look that up on my Amazon Music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so check it out. All right. Now, the next one's mine. Yes. This was a surprise announcement that came out of seemingly nowhere. I mean, so we've been talking since Red Dead Redemption 2 released on the PS4 and the Xbox uh, about a year ago. Everybody's been like, this has got to be coming to the PC, right? This is a PC game. This is Everything's on PC. Grand Theft Auto was on PC. This is going to be on PC. Well, the last Red Dead Redemption never made it to the PC. So everybody, that was the counter argument, which is well, they've never taken Red Dead to the PC, so it's not. And Red 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 Revolver, Dead Revolver, 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 which was a PS2 or never made it to PC. Yeah, uh, which is a great game. Oh, I love that game so much. The original, the original, it, just so much fun. And uh, so out of nowhere, we got not just an announcement that Red Dead was coming to the PC, but. How do I put this? Rockstar decided to launch its old game store at the same time. Oh, I didn't realize that. So there's a client now for Rockstar. <laughs> oh, that's um, going to make everybody happy. And guess what you can't buy on the Rockstar game store? Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto 5. It's not available because it's on Steam. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see with this kind of fracturing of the digital game stores and publishers how things continue to progress. Obviously, we've seen a lot of upheaval with the Epic Game Store, and we've seen a lot with, you know, GOG. But but when you see these huge publishers like Rockstar and, you know, Blizzard to a lesser extent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Activision games are on the Blizzard launcher. Right, and the Call of Duty is going to be on the... uh, It's exclusive. So is Call of Duty 4. Yeah. The remastered one, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... As these big publishers, they want control over that, right? Why would they why would they make a deal with Steam or Epic if they well, can take all the money? And with all of the Rockstar games that are currently popular, so f- 5 and, and soon to be Red Dead, they have online components, and they have microtransactions in those online games. Right. And those are what sustain the communities. And there's huge GTA 5 online role-playing communities, which just amazes me. Yeah. I sometimes will stumble into these streams on, on uh, Twitch where it's like I'm role-playing a cop in, you know, Liberty City, and I'm out here and I'm trying to stop people. And, and it's just whole groups of people doing role-playing. And uh, 
they've been Rockstar's been supporting GTA up until today. I mean, they've been having pretty mm-hmm. much annual or biannual big. Sort oh, they of just time big uh, just did a big casino related release. Yeah. Well, Red Dead Redemption Two is not just coming to the PC. They're actually enhancing it for the PC. And they released, earlier this week, they released a a gameplay or an environmental video. And if you have the power, like a 2080 Ti Super, and you're running this, it is one of the most amazing video games I've ever seen. Which I felt that way about GTA V. When we were just talking about this too, how big is it going to be? I mean, the download's going to be huge. The size of the install is ginormous. It's like just shy of 100 gigs. Right, and the online component is also being ported. I think overall it's going to be over 200 gigs, basically one-fifth of a terabyte. It's big. Yeah. It's really big. Um, now, I purchased the gold edition of Red Dead 2 when it came out on the PS4. Did you buy it? No. Okay. I bought Red Dead 2, but I didn't. You didn't buy the deluxe? No. So how much time have you spent playing it? Zero. Okay, I've spent about two hours. Which So you haven't even gotten past the intro then? No. Because the intro is like four or five hours, right? Yes, it's a big game. Yep. Right? Which we expect out of Red Dead. And I loved Red Dead. I love Red Dead 1, yeah. And I loved the zombie apocalypse mod too. Uh, Or expansion, I guess. Well, I played some Red Dead Online when it first was in beta. And it's okay. I could see having a lot of fun playing that with people. The problem is I just don't have the social community to play it with. I remember playing Red Dead 1 online when it came out, and it was it was okay. I mean, the online component of Rockstar Games has never been a driving force for me. Now, when I signed on to Grand Theft Auto 5 online, it was early, and they've rectified a lot of my uh, problems, problems like with being your sniped as soon as you respawn and yeah. all that stuff, but uh, it's... I think those are really good to sustain a game after you get through the single player, but at the same time, the single player is huge. Well, and so here's the other thing that was amazing about this announcement. It's coming out November 4th. It was announced a week and a half ago. Yep. Snipe. I mean, this is almost Fallout 4 level cool. Yeah. Uh, If Fallout 4 was a good game. Well, we were all very, very happy. We were both excited yeah unlike 76 (laughs) but uh so if you're a fan of rockstar and you're a fan of red dead and you like pcs you can now play the old west on your pc and it it's going to be the quote-unquote best version of the game so well worth looking into i mean with their their launcher and everything it sounds like they're kind of re seemingly recommitting to pc yes um I would argue they never were away anything but committed to the PC. But I remember a lot of issues when GTA V launched for PC. It was delayed, right? It didn't launch day and date with the console. Right. Um, I think what we're seeing is that Rockstar wants to wait until they have more solid games before they drop them on the PC. And so that they don't have an Arkham Knight situation on their hands. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right, let's talk Star Trek. Yes. We've talked a lot of Star Wars. We did, but uh, so Star Trek Picard. Yeah. You know, we got a new trailer for that. They can't come up with a series. It's just and it's Picard. coming in January. It's coming out January. New trailer dropped. We get to see sort of more of the 
I don't know. It was it's a, it's a little different than the previous trailer suggest. Um and we got to see some more cameos as well. Yes. Including uh well we didn't did we Riker see and Troy. Troy. Yeah, she was yeah. In So we get Riker and Troy um, and their son or daughter, I guess. Yeah. And they're seemingly retired at this mm-hmm. point. And we get to see Picard and Riker kind of have their touching meetup moment which will be probably 5 minutes of one episode, but well, and, and we've talked about this where you know Jonathan Frakes has basically spent the last twenty years directing, directing yep. hasn't done a single acting job, and he he was publicly he was like, look, I was just like horrified because here I am going to act next to this great man who's my friend who I acted next to for you know a decade, but I haven't read a single line in years, and yeah. he's just continued to get better. And he was like, I just, I, my whole thing is don't fuck it up. Yeah. And it looks like from the trailer that they're the natural chemistry, chemistry is back. Yeah. Right. These are two people you believe are friends. Yes. At different stages of their life. Right. So. And we get to see a little more of an action driver, which again, it's modern day Star Trek. There's a converted lot Borg. That's what she is. There's a lot more. She's Picard's action. daughter. Yeah, that's Picard's daughter, supposedly. Anyhow, I'm excited. I'm excited for what the series is going to do, and I'm I haven't been this excited about Star Trek in a while. Well, we're now at a point with the CBS Star Trek having merged again. Right, right. So all of the rights are under one. But seemingly, company. this is going to be the continuation of the timeline that I love. Um, that's the, we have every indication that's true. Right. And Destiny has finally moved itself into the future, so it doesn't bump Discovery. into... Or Discovery, sorry. Yeah. Discovery has moved itself into the future for season three. So it doesn't look like it's going to bump into continuity. And we get trailers for this, too, which are weird. Yeah. But Discovery, I got to finish season two. It just kind of drained on me. I actually have watched the two short treks that came out. Yeah. Um, And the first one was... Well, they're both like Pike focused the first one is number number one and uh and spock spock's first day on the enterprise right and then the second one is the trouble with edward which is h john benjamin playing his biologist who researches tribbles i'm i'm listening oh you haven't seen it i haven't seen that yet no i'm not i don't want to ruin it don't ruin it (laughs) it's both of them are are fun again fun we don't get to say that with star trek so much anymore right they're fun. Um, and they both reinforce the idea that having an Enterprise show with Pike and that crew as a captain could be a lot of fun. Right? I hope they go back and do it personally. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Picard continues to evolve. We're, we're seeing some new elements of the future. We'll see what happens. We're still a few months out. And we're kind of seeing, I mean, the other kind of part they're alluding to in the series is sort of that the the Federation sort of doesn't have the same values when he was a part of it. Yeah. Right. And then we don't know what that means. Does that mean we're going to see fallout of the Romulus stuff and well, and stuff that's been kind of been off screen that we're going to see? I think it's pretty obvious we'll see the fallout of the destruction of Romulus. Right. Um, and, of course, knowing that the last film, which was the destruction of the Next Generation cast uh, and its future in, in film – was tied to Romulus. Everything around Kirk is tied to two things, Romulus and Borg. And it looks like we're getting both. Picard. So, you said Kirk. I said Kirk. 
Everything tied to Kirk is sleeping with alien women. No, it's Klingons. <laughs> yes. Kirk hated Klingons. He did. <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on. You know what, Jared? Why don't you do a review of Link's Awakening? Cool. I did that in episode 36. So go back to episode 36 and listen to Jared's <laughs> review of Link's Awakening. Yes, please do. All right. So instead of that, do you have something else you want to talk about in this space? Um, I can pull one up from the bottom here. We'll okay. pull it up when we get into the uh, stuff. So uh, I have a retro replay recommendation for you. This is where Jared pulls out games that are re-released on consoles that were old that could be new to you. I don't know, I'm just trying to come up with segments here. So, he's could creating, you ever He's creating play- spontaneous segments in the middle of a tangents category. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> did you ever play Ninja Warriors? The arcade game? Where you're robot ninjas? Yes. Yes. So... Many, many, many hours. Many, many, many hours. Many Lots moons of ago, dollars. Right? I never played the arcade version, but I played the SNES version. Um, that was a game that we rented quite often. Now, if you look up today for the SNES version, that's one of the most rare... Mm-hmm. SNES games that you can find. So not a lot of people have played it. Um, it's an old arcade brawler beat-em-up game. The difference is it's on a 2D plane as opposed to like a 3D. Well, it's like a... Yeah. It, it, right. And so they re-released it again. It's the same game but different. Um, which the arcade version, the SNES version was just the same game the but different. And yeah. then this is the same. They've enhanced it with some new special things. Essentially it's the same game. They added two new characters, and they've added a couple new moves. The same music's there. The same sprite works there. I missed this. Um, And they released it in retail and digitally on multiple consoles. So PS4, Switch, all that stuff. Like $20 release? If that. Yeah, I think it's $20. Um, It's it's one of the best old beat-em-ups that nobody ever played. I love this game. I find that to be untrue. Huh? I find that to be untrue. I spent hours playing that game. So yeah, I mean you're recommending it with me, but if you haven't heard of it, it's yeah. it's definitely worth picking up. It's like that it'll help that hit that nostalgia kick for you if you've never played it. Um and it's really hard. It's absolutely hard. Absolutely. But it's the good kind of hard. Yeah, it's eighties arcade hard. Yeah. Um speaking of eighties arcade games yes. and nineties arcade games. Uh we've talked about arcade one up a few times. Yes, we have. And we're starting to see the third release arcade one up. Stuff hit the uh, market. They've announced, and we talked about this in previous episodes. They they have a four player Turtles cab, and they released a they, Marvel superheroes. They do have those cabinets. Yes, they do. Well, <laughs> funny story. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that they are making them; um, they're out and available. Oh, really? Yeah, Walmart specifically. I would for love the... to see one of these in person. Well, you you could probably do that. Really? Yeah, yeah. You may know somebody who has. At least two of them. At least both of the ones. Well, the buns I just mentioned. There's also the Star Wars, which is the three Star Wars games with the yoke, um, which is such a specialized so, cab. Cut to the chase here, Sean. <laughs> you purchased both the Marvel and the Turtles in Time one. I did. And constructed them. Yep, they're both set up. Yep. And you have you have them running in uh, tracked mode in your basement right now. Uh, no, Connor keeps turning them off because he doesn't <laughs> like them in a tracked mode. But yes. <laughs> And actually, this is a point that you don't know yet, and I just got my notification from Amazon. My LED light-up buttons will be at my house today. Oh, cool. Because I'm going to replace the built-in buttons. So how do these games play? So Turtles in Time is a game that I absolutely love, but 
I do not love the arcade version. The SNES version is far superior. And I heard they updated some of the soundtrack in the... Yes, they've had to make some changes due to licensing requirements. Uh, But I can report that they both play accurate to the original arcade. It is not the Super Nintendo version of Hyperstone Heist. No, Turtles or in Turtles time. in Time, or any any yeah. of that. It, it is the arcade, uh, but it plays authentic to the old ones. Yeah, these and are it's four player cabinet, and it is a four player cabinet. These cabinets are smaller, right? Full size adults may be challenged. Put the larger adults on the periphery, <laughs> and the smaller adults towards the center, and you would be fine. Uh, of the two cabs, I am going to almost immediately mod my Marvel cab and make it a uh, Raspberry Pi for me. Yep. Because it's got six buttons and two Sanwa style um, uh, joysticks, which that's one area I will criticize on the, on the cabinet for turtles. I don't know if it's the knockoffs they're using or what, but they feel really loose. I the arcade for Turtles felt really loose, well, too. Well, usually because people were always playing That's it. part of the experience, <laughs> is that they're worn uh, down. The other thing is that when they built the cabinet top, and this is an attention to detail, so they, they made it look like it, but they didn't array the joysticks in a curved pattern as much as I would have. The button oh, positions so they're all are... Sort of they're not line. straight, but they didn't take advantage of the space they had as well as they should have. Right. The other piece to this is the ball tops on the Turtles cabinet feel like they're always going to come off. So if you buy one of these, what I would recommend doing is getting some Loctite, which you can pick up at you know any car place, uh, or some painter's tape and just wrap it around the loose threads uh, and thread the balls down and you'll be fine. Uh, both cabinets look great. They sound good. The new these are newer arcade one up cabinets, so they come with two three inch speakers. So this got stereo speak, and they're pointing down from above the marquee, or below the marquee. Um, the versions I got did not have the lit marquees, so that's one option you can find some places, or you can replace them aftermarket. When it comes to the arcade one ups, what I would really say is first off, they don't take up a lot of space. They come with okay components that you can easily modify if you need to or want to. Um, So if you want to put a Pandora box or you want to put um, a Raspberry Pi or a PC and use the cabinet as your shell, um, buying some USB encoders and some new buttons and sticks is, is fairly inexpensive. The only other piece I will say to this is if you're a full size adult, you probably need to buy the riser with these cabinets. Yeah, they're pretty small. Now, they're not high-quality wood. They're toys. They're PVC board. Yeah, and if you're going to mod them, you're going to have to drill two more buttonholes somewhere in your cabinets. And be careful because, you, again, it's particle board, so you are you don't want to tear out a chunk. Yeah, uh, because you're going to need coin buttons, whereas... These cabinets don't come with any... You can have a one-player or two-player start, but you don't have selector coin buttons. Okay. So, which you wouldn't need in an arcade, right? You put coins in it. Um, so some things to think about. But again, there's tons of resources out there to modify these cabinets. 
the games on the Marvel side, I played Marvel superheroes. It comes with X Men: Children of the Atoms, or Children of the. The Atoms. Marvel one's a little more compelling to me than the Turtles in Time one. But the Marvel one, again, I would love to see a Street Fighter or Marvel versus Capcom cabinet. So that is what most people are taking that cabinet and making. Yeah. They're, they're, the challenge is on a lot of the Raspberry Pi emulations with RetroPie, MVC 2 especially doesn't run really well. That's a, yeah. Because it, it needs a lot of power. Surprisingly, yeah. Um, MVC and, one runs, and you fine. don't want input lag in a fighting game. That's the last thing you want. Yeah, or or SNK Capcom. A lot of people right. are running that, and that's the thing I'm going to do with this. It's it's great. It's wonderful. It comes with the two fighting games plus the Punisher beat 'em up. Yep. Which I'm kind of like complete left turn. Why wouldn't you throw the X Men one in there, or why not throw X Men or Simpsons on the Turtles cab? Right. Where you have the same button layouts basically, but. I don't know that the utility of modding them. I think you're more likely to buy a Street Fighter type or a um, Marvel uh, superhero type to modify. There's also the Mortal Kombat cab out there, which has the weird five the the X style buttons, right? Which I, a lot of people are modding, and I'm going like, you're going to have to add more buttons to this. It it's not going to play well. Um, but the arcade one ups. You know, they're $300, so they're not impulse buys necessarily, but they're fairly inexpensive. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still not... There hasn't been one where I'm like, I have to have that. Mine was Turtles. Yeah. And I'm. you know me, I'm a huge Turtles fan, but that was... It's still a an interesting proposition since the, the arcade is in, inferior, in my opinion, but... So, here's the great thing about having a Raspberry Pi. I can mod. I I can actually emulate both of them. The question is: Has anybody made a four-player mod for the SNES one, and would it work? Because it was only two-player. No, I don't think it'll work. It was not a uh, four-player no. multi-tap game. All right. Well, thanks, Sean, for your mm-hmm. review. Sure. And I'm sure that you uh, didn't buy those on a whim. <laughs> Sean's just like, I have both of these now. I'm putting them together. <laughs> well, you know. All right. If- one last tangent. No, we have two. I already talked about mine. Oh, no. the uh, So, Stern's coming out with new Star Wars comic based on the comic pinball? Is it based on the classic Marvel comics or the new comics? I don't know. You're the one that added this. Did I? Yeah, you said four. Yes, I did, actually. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> uh, um, I figured you added this because it was Star Wars and Jared. No, let, please note, Sean added a Star Wars-related item to the show notes. With a positive bend. Uh, no, yeah, so you're right. The Star Wars comic art pinball set is coming out for the Stern. Uh, it's The artwork is actually classic Star Wars comics. So like the Marvel comics from the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. Um, and it's supposed to be out fairly soon, so I'm surprised you didn't hear about this first. Mm-mm. Because you're a big pinball fan. I am. So. I would love to have a pinball machine. And then the last one, just to wrap it up with a comic book, uh, I'll hit this one really quick. For And I think we've talked about this in a previous episode, too. Grant Morrison is the current writer for the Green Lantern series. And, by the way, this latest issue of Green Lantern ends the series. Again. Okay. Because. Because they can? Well... Morrison's kind of taken 
Hal Jordan, threw him into the deepest, darkest pits of space, turned him back into a space cop without, you know, the strength of the the whole um, core behind him. And this whole run has been kind of like a gritty space cop story, because it's Grant Morrison, uh, with Liam Sharp doing the art. So it's got this, it's, it's classic British superhero stuff which means not very superhero at all. <laughs> um, and the last scene of the comic that closes out the series launches the next series. And I don't want to spoil it, but I will say that there's some revelations at the end of this issue that will change the status quo for Hal Jordan for at least a few more issues. Because it's Green Lantern and they seem... But in a good way and not in a Bendis way. No, in a Grant Morrison way. Yeah. And so if you're a long-time Green Lantern fan, uh, there's another space cop organization that is around and has been around for a while. It's related to that. Okay. All right. Leave it at that. That's a lot of tangents. So, yeah, that's a lot of tangents. So this week, the main topic is those previous tangents. <laughs> so, next, before we finish off this episode, we have a couple, we have a Thanksgiving of the backfeeds, and we have a surprise for you as well. So, last episode, we talked about games as a service, um, and our number, I don't know, I don't want to number our listeners, our good friend and popular but not number one super fan listener shinobi i don't know what's the rating who's keeping track of this maybe he is the number one super fan he's actually talked to the most you know what sean you're upgraded number one super fan shinobi take that kyle yeah kyle <laughs> um so we were talking about games of the service and he basically he, he commented on our discord and said you know the games of the service conversation depends on what drives you to play for uh, to play them and that he likes to read books that are connected in one world. And he likes the world to kind of live on and on and kind of grow. Um, so that's, that's a driving point for him. So that's one of the game reasons he likes it. Um, wow. Was the game that brought that him to him the most closely in terms mm-hmm. of growing and evolving over time. Um, and he mostly plays these games as a service single player. Cause he doesn't have friends that play. Sounds like somebody else I know in no, this podcast. No, he does have friends that play. They just coordinating people's calendars is difficult. Is incredibly hard. Yeah, especially when we play like even a simple arcade game. Trying trying to keep it into the uh, episode title. Um, <laughs> you can't see this look of. <laughs> I don't even know what what an emotion to describe this as. So, uh, you know, he brings up good points. Um, and we'll have the full discourse in the show notes. Yeah, so you can um, read his response regarding last episode. And if you agree, you know, send us... And again, I was taking a more cynical view of Games as a Service last episode. It's not necessarily See, how I feel. I, and I know you and I have had this conversation before, too. My role is to be cynical. Right, but games of the services, I don't think something you can be as cynical as I can be. That's true, because I actually see some value in it. <laughs> and I enjoy it. So, uh, we only have one other section in this podcast, and that's missed opportunities. So we're going to go away for one second, and, and then gonna, when we come back... Don't miss us. We're going to have a special guest with us. So, bye. We'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. Did you notice we were gone? I didn't. No, because that's editing. Yeah. It's the power of Hollywood. <laughs> or something. I don't know. We weren't actually gone. We were still in the same physical location. Yes. Yeah, in case you got worried, we didn't actually leave. But there is a period of time you don't recall. Yeah. We slipped something in your drink. Yes. So we're back with a special guest this week for our missed opportunities. Yeah, what's our missed opportunity this week? This week is mine and Erica's. Hi, Erica. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Erica. Are you nervous? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I love listening it... to my own voice and having other people listen to it. Us too. That's why we do this. This is exactly why we do this. Perfect. So, so what about DuckTales, Jared? You're, you're dragging so this out. I am calling this up as my missed opportunity, so I'm going to play a little clip here, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Let me try something. I used to sing this old song to my boys before they hatched. <sighs> Look to the stars, my darling baby boys. Life is strange and vast. Filled with wonders and joys Face each new sun With eyes clear and true Unafraid of the unknown Because I'll face it all with you (laughs) (laughs) What was that screeching? That was a weird moon beast yeah, it was kind of weird. So, DuckTales is something that's been near and dear to my heart for years, and they've brought it back on Disney, and they just finished up the second season. Um, Eric and I are still catching up, but we wanted to talk about how much we love this new iteration. Um, I love it. They've reintroduced all the classic characters that you may remember, like Gizmo Duck, including Darkwing Duck. Um, but it's been a more sort of comedic take so if you've enjoyed series like uh oh i can't think of my community gravity falls community yeah (laughs) half of the community cast is on the show you've got jim rash as gyro gearloose and he's playing more of a mad scientist take of course you have lynn manuel manuel miranda playing uh gizmo duck you have david freaking Tennant as scrooge mcduck and At least they got an uh, authentic Scottish accent. Catherine Tate as Magic of Dispel. Oh. The voice cast is absolutely amazing. Top notch. Top notch. Um, and All right, I so I've heard, Jared, you've been talking for like an hour. Okay. <laughs> so I want to hear Erica's perspective on this. Well, I think Jared's just given away like a ton of spoilers. So for those of you who have watched it, um, now you know some of the characters that you might be excited to see. But um, I think it's been a great revisit of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. I watched it when I was a kid. And although I haven't gone back to rewatch it, um, I really have enjoyed the new series so you're saying it's more than just kind of revisiting that nostalgia that they're doing something new 
Absolutely. Yeah, they're really just, it's like they're taking all the characters you love, but they're doing new and fresh stories. Um, It's really clever writing. I mean, like Jared said, the voice cast is phenomenal. Um, They're just doing everything right. I think they're really paying homage to the original, but taking it in a new direction and making it fresh and exciting for a new audience. Do you think that's because modern children expect different forms of storytelling or is it is it more than nostalgia porn it's definitely not nostalgia porn and i'm not sure if it's different storytelling but it definitely is more modernized for it's more modernized today's more youth fast taked or fast paced right? yeah yeah i would definitely agree so it's I'm accelerated not- yeah. mm-hmm I'd actually be interested to go back and watch the old series now, having seen the new one, and see, you know, what, uh, how similar it is and, and what the differences are kind of um, side by side. I have a pretty clear memory of the old shows. I was in high school when they were on. <laughs> I guess, you know, that's the, how old you should be when you watch af- afternoon cartoons. Any excuse not to do my, you know, biology homework. I would turn it on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on WTTE here in Columbus, TV 28. And uh, what I recall most about DuckTales, other than the catchy theme song, which I understand they've redone. And it's just as catchy. Um, Woo! They're no longer trying to stop Ma and her boys from always breaking into Scrooge's vault, I take it? No, oh, that's, that's still there. That's happening. still there. Yeah. It's still but it's there. Not, it's not the same plot. Like, the the... The villains are much more comedic versions. Like it, it doesn't take itself as seriously as the original series. Like where, where the original series had comedic elements, like mm-hmm. with uh, Magic of the Spell and um, uh, Glomgold. They're much more satirical. There's even a Mark Zuckerberg type character that's new called Mark Beeks, who's voiced by the guy that did Big Head. In Silicon Valley, okay. as like a new, and so they're much more hilarious incarnations that you've seen in the old ones. The old ones more like, oh, something's bad's happening, and and Hugh and Louie and and Dewey were inseparable in the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. They're all very distinct characters. You mean indistinguishable? Yes. What did I say? Well, they were inseparable too. It means yeah. they were always together, but well, but they, there are they, definitely episodes that feature focus on one at one a time. or the other or webby will pair up with huey for an adventure and webby's not the normal whiny version from the cartoon she's voiced by uh kate minucci from uh various things you've seen but garfunkel notes yeah yep yep and, and she's hilarious there's not a character i don't like in this there's launchpad is voiced by beck bennett which you know in snl and it's excellent <laughs> Plays into this the stereotype. <laughs> he he's like, "Can I crash a plane?" And then everybody starts laughing. <laughs> so, I recommend it. The little clip we played was uh, Della, which you know is the boy's Spoilers. mom. Spoilers. Well, it could be a flashback. Hey, we have a we have a tag for that. We do, but we've already ruined it. But anyhow, they're they're tying in <laughs> Huey Dewey and Louie's mother into the show. She's a huge component of. And, they, and they're doing a large sort of serialized version. Like, each episode's standalone, but there is a overarching There's tale. a meta plot. Yeah. Okay, cool. And if again, if you like anything like Community or anything like that, where things kind of from past episodes show up, 
and it's fun. It's just fun. We mentioned fun earlier. It's mm-hmm. fun. And it's it's part of that Disney machine we mentioned where I don't feel like I, it's entertaining. Great. So. I think one of the other things that Jared and I really like is that they're bringing in elements of Darkwing Duck and another show that we both loved. Um, but Launchpad is a fan of Darkwing Duck. And in this universe, Darkwing Duck is a, a television show that Launchpad grew up with. So there's um, references to Darkwing. He's got Darkwing, like little action figures. Um, so he talks about this hero, and it's really who's inspired him to live dangerously. <laughs> so Drake Mallard is not Bruce Wayne the Duck. Correct. Okay. He's an actor? Jim Sterling is actually the actor of Darkwing Duck, based on Jen Cummings, the original voice actor of Darkwing Duck. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Now you guys have sold me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've i seen a little bit. It's not been one of those nostalgia is, things for me. This is one of those things where I think even you, Sean, you will enjoy it. This is my whole goal is to make you watch it because I think you will actually laugh out loud. That's show. only – yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely the kind of show that um like you were saying nostalgia porn it's not like that if you never watched ducktales you could watch the show and immensely enjoy it it's not just for the fans but it's there's also for the fans there's definitely inserts it's a reimagining right everything you expect to be from the ultra is not there but like darkwing duck that theme i just played you is from the nes DuckTales moon theme, but they incorporated that into the show. And if you're a fan of DuckTales, you're going to love that. But even if you're not. I just thought it was creepy without any visuals. It is. Because yeah. there's <laughs> the screeching and squishy sounds in the background while she's singing a lullaby. It's yep. odd. Okay, great. So that's this week's missed opportunity. I'll, I'll table one? mine. You're going to table yours? Well, I mean, so you guys can gush about that and i have mine which was kind of a similar childhood animated series but i don't think the two of you share any interest in it so share it we're sharing with you well mostly because it aired in 1984 and i was was alive then yeah you were alive (laughs) but you weren't you wouldn't have had the emotional connection that i had with it which is know me as a two-year-old you don't know what kind of emotional connections i could have you're right i'm judging (laughs) <laughs> so sorry, I invalidated your feelings. Uh, no, so I think I've mentioned this once or twice in the show's history, which is that, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, these are the big things that most people glom onto. And for some of us, depending on what time of, you know, life you were at and what was the prevailing marketing approach at the time. Um, you probably found some other things that didn't survive their popularity to today. For me, one of those is a Japanese animated series called Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. And it was translated, and at the time we didn't know this when I was a kid, but it was brought over to America and made into a 100-episode syndicated show. And Japanese animated series typically are 24 to 36 episodes each. So it's never enough to bring over a TV show, even a successful one, and put it on air for kids in America. So this company, uh, Harmony Gold, took 
Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, which typical Japanese anime names are just wacko in English. Uh, Super Dimensional Cavalry Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber Mospadia. <laughs> These that? are fantastic Japanese names. Oh, but this is <laughs> 80s anime at its best. These three series and mush them together into a multi-generational drama um, that was then called Robotech. Oh. So... Robotech's well-known Harmony Gold's infamous today because they won't allow anything that's Macross-related because Macross was popular in Japan and continued to have series. Well, in America, you we don't get them because Harmony Gold won't allow uh, the Macross series to be sold in America because it would dilute the Robotech brand, which is all a bunch of bullshit and legalese. Anyway, uh, recently, about a year, year and a half ago... Uh, they relaunched a Robotech comic book through Titan Comics. And the thing that's interesting about this is by the third episode or third issue of the comic, they changed the story. And they continued to change the story. And I didn't, I, I picked up the first episode or issue or two because I'm like, oh, it's a cool new artwork, kind of a modernized retelling, kind of like what you guys were talking about with DuckTales. Except almost immediately there's indication that they're playing with time. And it all fits in the mythology of the series. And they went through the entire run of the Macross series, which is the first Robotech War, and it's the first series that they took and adapted. And things happened that didn't happen in the original continuity. So, like, the captain of the ship, Captain Global dies in an accident in the third or fourth issue of the comic. He lives through the entire series in the original continuity. And you start to see these things like when they find the the SDF-1, it's a crashed alien spaceship that humanity modifies and basically prepares for an invasion from space. They find a bunch of human beings dead inside the ship. Interesting. There were not human beings dead inside the ship originally. So there's these little visual tells early on that, yes, this is Robotech, but it's not the continuity you know. And why I wanted to bring this up is so I I just assumed they were going to readapt it and, and with new artwork. And, and, and I didn't read past the first issue or two. And I went back and started rereading it recently, got the trade paperbacks and the collections. And then I found out some of the they drastically changed the story because they just relaunched another series they concluded the original robotech series which was just the macross saga and they in the second saga is called southern cross and it's as i said generational so the child of two of the characters from the first series is on earth when they go to space and they leave that's how they account for the characters from the first series not being in the second series well, she comes back in time from after the end of the entire saga, and she's like, in this continuity, my parents aren't friends. They don't marry. They don't have me, but I'm here. And they're calling this new series Robotech Remix because of all these changes that have happened and, and why. And, and so there's a lot of... it's. If you're a fan of Robotech and you're not a purist, right... 
walking in, picking up these comics will give you that nostalgia with a little bit of an updated retelling at the same time as telling a new story. So I highly recommend it. And again, the two of you probably too young to have ever really kind of caught into that. Um, I was talking to somebody on Facebook recently, a, a friend my age, who both of us were obsessed with Robotech. And he said, you know, you should just show them this Macross to get them into this because there's later series that are different. Um, if I told you that I was going to sit down with you and watch a 24-episode animated series where you have fighter jets and Japanese girl group idols fighting together to stop aliens from taking over a planet, would that interest you? Might interest good. you. I'm not sure how long I'd well, keep that sounds interesting. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing is you've got this war story background and there's always this element of Japanese idols and singing. It's a core component to the series on the Macross side. And I've just I've tried to show my kids, anybody I've tried to show who's you know, maybe a little younger or than you guys are, always look at me funny when they get to these scenes. And and in Delta, Macross Delta, which is the last series that came out. Oh my god, within the first two episodes, there's more singing than there is fighting. <laughs> and they're f- they're singing while they're fighting. Oh, that Naturally. sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And they've got, like, spacesuits that are frilly, girly, lacy things, and with jets, so they can fly while they're in the middle of a combat zone, and it's... It is completely bizarre. That said, there are some amazing works in the series that I think anybody would love like there's a short um work called macross plus and it's effectively top gun and it has kind of the love triangle type top gun thing but with transforming mecha and an ai that tries to take over earth does goose still die so goose's name in this is gold gold gua bullman He's a half Centrati, and yes. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, well, that doesn't that won't ruin the experience. Um, Gold's kind of a dick. He's not as fun and lovable as Goose was. He's more like Iceman. Ah, so you don't have that emotional connection. Well, he's. I won't say that. No. Oh. Um, he's Goose and Iceman mm. for different reasons. But so, if you're a fan of Robotech and you haven't checked out Titans Robotech Relaunch. Uh, it's most of the issues are out in trade paperbacks, except for the last five issues, which were called Event Horizon. Uh, that's coming out in December in a trade paperback, and you can get all twenty-four, I think, episode issues. And then they just released Robotech Remix number one this week, so check it out. All right, I could talk for another forty minutes about Robotech. But again, without any context, the two of you are just sitting here and going, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, it, it, uh-huh. You, you did, you, you sold me a little bit, so. Where can I get those to stream? Uh, so Robotech is actually available on Amazon and Netflix. Well, it may not still be on Netflix, but it's on Amazon. There's multiple versions on Amazon, including the original Japanese series that they're based on. So Super Dimensional, Mortra- uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross Super Dimensional Caval- Cavalry, Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber, Mousepedia are all available on Amazon Prime 
to stream subtitled. And the further you get from Macross, the more the story doesn't line up with what we saw in Robotech. But you can watch the entire Robotech series as well. So, Wasn't that on Toonami for a while? They did put it on Toonami. I for think a that's while. what I remember it from. Yeah. And I think they only showed Macross. They didn't they didn't go past the first season. Effectively what they had is three seasons. Uh, it's really three different series that have nothing to do with each other that they merged and meshed. For instance with Southern Cross, uh, it's actually not on Earth. It's in the original series, it's a colony on a planet called Glory and it has two moons. Well, Earth only has one moon. And so any scene that has two moons, they had to cut. And then they had to merge it all, and it's just, it's weird. You just reminded me of Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah, Beast Wars is another one of those Because there were two moons, but the one of the moons was a sentient robot that they destroyed in the series. Good story. Great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that wraps us up. For this episode. Yeah. And if you'd like to contribute and, you know, supplant the number one super fan, you can call in and leave us a voicemail and you may be featured in the episode. Call us at 267-TANGENT or 267-826-4368. Now, I will say we can take input on any of our segments. Yes. So if there's a missed opportunity that, you know, is something you were growing up with and you or you discovered after it was popular and you want us to kind of take a look at it, feel free to submit that. Absolutely. If you've got a one dumb thing, which we didn't do this week, or a one gratifying thing, which we didn't do this week, um, those are also elements that we'd love to have interaction with our listeners on. And as always, you can join the Discord server. The link is in the show notes. Yeah, we're pretty active on the Discord. We communicate about a lot of things on our Discord series. We do. So that's it for this week. Uh, let us know what you think. And if you can, give us a shout out on social media. Thanks. Say it. Say bye, Sean. Bye, Sean. <laughs>